Hey, it's Munir here. Just wanted to let you know that I just launched a shop on easymedicaldevice.com where you can find some templates for your documentation, some coaching sessions or some online courses. If there is anything that you need but it's not there, so let me know and I'll create it. Okay, so now let's listen to this episode. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Elazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we will go through the basis of medical devices. We'll try to help you to understand the first steps that you have to follow uh, when you are considering a medical device. So when you are trying to uh, have a medical device on the market. Um, and for that, I have with me Heike Pikanen that will be helping us uh, for, for um, making this move and uh, to defining those steps. Um, he is the CEO and founder of Lean Entries, uh, and he will help us uh, and also tell us what is his solution for, for that. So, Heike, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Morning, it's a pleasure to be in your podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. So, uh, Heike, uh, as usual, as I'm asking to my guests, so to make just a, a small introduction, uh, and then we can go through the topics. Very good. I've been in the medical device industry for, for some uh, almost 20 years already. Uh, first, starting from the product development side, and uh, slowly starting to understand that the standards and the regulations play a very meaningful part in this industry. And uh, wanted to learn more. I worked in many startups, some were complying well, some I built a QMS for them myself, a quality management, management system, and uh, then uh, had the opportunity to turn to work for a notified body. So I took the challenge, I was leading the team at the notified body, and uh, the challenges followed, of course. There were many, many startups, especially, who were knocking on our door, trying to get a certificate asking for C marking, but we could only tell them that, that uh, they are quite far from, uh, from, from being C marked. There were some examples like uh, false standards taken into account and uh, many times of problems that the st startups wouldn't uh, perhaps know from the very beginning if they didn't have the resources to go into that detail. Then uh, I spent some five years working for notified bodies and uh, joined standardization, so I've been active on that side as well. And uh, I'm attending the uh, advisory board meetings of, of the Senelec for healthcare standards. And uh, now, since three years, I've been an entrepreneur, providing a digital solution for, for the startups, especially for universities, for people who know little about regulations, and wanting to put them on a very steep learning curve regarding the basics, really what we're talking about today as well. Great. So you are in Finland, is it correct? That's correct. In the Nordics. We're in Finland. Great. So, um, so Heike, as I've said, so, um, and as you also mentioned, there is some, some startups that are maybe trying to uh, enter into the medical device uh, field. 
maybe startups that have, for example, some softwares and don't really understand all the regulations. So uh, as we discussed together, uh, there are um, three first steps that those companies or startups have to consider uh, and to understand before really to move forward uh, on, the, um, on their projects for having a medical device on the market. So uh, those first steps are, if I can say, basic ones, but uh, it can raise a lot of questions. So let's start maybe at the first step. So the first step is the qualification of your medical device. So um, the question that we have to answer here is mainly, is your medical device a medical device or is your product a medical device? So how can we do that or how can people do that? Thank you, Borel. It's a really sounds like a simple question, but it's really complicated. Okay. And something you need to focus quite a lot in, in the beginning, even though later when you flow into your systems and start working in it, uh, these, these questions start to have less, less uh, meaning. But these are items that uh, when you scan through the regulations and all the guidances, you really need to go plenty full of documents, many articles, and dive into the annexes to find out uh, what, if my device is a medical device and later about the classification. And um, if you think of a startup who has very limited resources to do this, um, they, they might many times go wrong and uh, might not find the right answers quite, quite easily. I had just, just maybe for the story, I had some people also contacting me and asking me, is my product a medical device? Um, I had the story of um, a, a subcontractor or um, a supplier of components for wheelchair, uh, so cup holder, uh, all this kind of thing that you can attach to a wheelchair. And he was thinking that those components were accessories to a medical device. Uh, and I mentioned to him that uh, it's not really the definition of accessory to a medical device uh, because uh, this is also something that has, uh, I mean, this is something that the wheelchair can work without that. It's not something that is really critical for, for a wheelchair, so you should not really consider that as a medical device. Uh, but there is some a lot of misconception or misunderstanding of is this product really a medical device? Is this product uh, should be having a technical file, should get through a notified body and this and that. So is there a technique or something that people have to, to look at to really not make this mistake? Um, well, um, many times the, the answer is very straightforward. It's clearly a medical device. But in those cases where it's on the borderline or uh, you will come from the perspective of your business and uh, you might want to stay, perhaps stay out of the uh, uh, medical device perspect uh, perspective and uh, perhaps you are uh, providing a training service that would not be a medical device, but in, in the instance when you mix in uh, uh, patient-specific information, it becomes a medical device, that kind of considerations, and they are plentiful and they are all over. Um, what you would need to do is to go into the guidelines uh, provided by the European Commission. Uh, there are uh, qualification and classification uh, examples in those guidelines, and there is a borderline case manual for everyone to go through. And, and then, yeah, and it, uh, there is there is the MedDev uh, guideline, if I can say, that can help you. There is the borderline, as you mentioned. So I will try to put that also on the show notes as a link so that people can uh, can go directly and, and see that. We can do that, yeah. Yeah, so um, 
now that um, so that people have some kind of uh, guidance or documents to define if they are a um, medical device or not. Um, I had also made a video for people if they are really interested uh, where I try to explain how to um, to define if your product is a medical device. It's just a simple video where I try to, uh, to simplify the definition because it's a really huge definition for a medical device. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, if you want to go to go there, I will also put that on the show notes. Uh, but Heike now, um, that people already have now the thinking of my product is or not a medical device. Uh, is there some products that uh, before were not medical device and now are medical device with the new uh, medical device regulation? Well, especially in the software field, um, where there are lots of different types of software in the healthcare uh, environment, the new MDCG guideline uh, for medical device qualification and classification, it makes things a little bit clearer on what is a medical device and then what is the classification for those devices. Especially in that field, everyone who is providing a software in any parts of healthcare domain, they should go into this document and really carefully study it and what it tries to say. Because it also states very clearly, and this is a new statement in it, that not every uh, type of software uh, is a medical device and, and C-markable. It's not related to the risk that the product poses for the, for the patient because every uh, patient management system poses such a risk if it fails. But it, but it really lays down the rules that you must go through to, to define if your, if your software is a medical device. Yeah, I look at the MDCG and they put really a lot of examples uh, of what is and what is not a medical device. So I think it's a good source also of information. And as usual, I will put that also on the show notes for, for the audience. That's good. And also one, one advice would be that uh, despite if your device would not be a medical device, you would want to stay out of that realm, but you are um, introducing something very critical to the healthcare domain, uh, I would still make it according to some medical device standards. That would be quite beneficial for your business as well. You would gain an advantage for your, for your competitors. Yeah, agree. And uh, there is a, a quite new section of the MDR that uh, qualifies some products that are that have no medical device purpose or no medical purpose as medical devices. So, can you tell us more about that? There are some some uh, items like implants that are used for fun, and uh, some eye uh, contact lenses that have just have a color for for fun or. Uh, some um, brain stimulators that don't have a medical purpose. And now this uh, new medical device regulation in EU, which contains the list in an annex, uh, listing all these types of devices that should be brought under the MDR so that they produce it according to the best practices to make them safe. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this is uh, making, uh, may this is maybe a surprise for uh, for some people or some manufacturers so that we discover that uh, because they were not regulated before as a medical device and now they will be. Uh, so if you are making those kind of products and uh, you have some questions, then really uh, check the medical device regulation and check if you are really on the scope because if you are, you have really a lot of work to do to then be able to place your products on the market. 
Okay, Heike, so um, now that we have, if I can say, uh, described or tried to give all the resources possible for people to qualify their product as medical device, um, the next step is the classification. So as soon as you confirm that your uh, medical device is a medical device, then you have to classify it. So can you tell us more about the classification? Well, the classification uh, in Europe, in the MDR and the IVDR, it is very much the similar as it was with the, with the directives. It is based on rules. So you must go, the first rule is to go through every rule for, for classification. So if your device is, again, for example, software, you would need to go through the software rule 11, but you will also need to consider all other active device rules from, from the uh, annex of the MDR. And uh, then uh, the classification for in vitro diagnostic devices, IVDs, has changed quite dramatically. So in the early days, it was uh, listing of different types of devices and putting them into risk categories based on that list. But uh, now they are also, also categorized based on rules, so just like uh, in the MDR. So yeah. there are... In the, in the medical device uh, sector, there are classic classes from uh, 1 through 2A through 2B to 3. And the, in the IVD sector, they run from A to B to C to D. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's as you mentioned, really a major change uh, because um, now it can be maybe more difficult for those companies to to try to understand on which class is my device and uh, the changes in terms of the rules and um, and really go through all this new method to classify their products. Uh, but yeah, it's really similar. Uh, they, they try to harmonize that between the MDR and the IVDR. It's really a similar method with different rules. And then it uh, gives the classification with the lowest risk uh, to the highest risk. Uh, and then this will define the rest of your um, uh, conformity for your for your device, um, but is there any guidance to help also people on the classification of their product? Again, many types of devices are very simple to classify. You find the example just by hitting the find find uh, command in uh, on one of the guidance documents, the MedDevs, and and you're there. Uh, but uh, many times again, the question is much more complex. You land on borderlines, and you really might want to keep as low a risk class as possible in many cases because it has some implications whether you're in class one or class class two way and uh, and uh, it's also a matter of of uh, of the small print because you might need to understand that uh, that if you are a class one device it also is is uh, has, has a meaning if you your device is a measuring uh, device it has a measuring function or if, it, if it's sterile and put, uh, put into market in the sterile condition or if it's a reusable uh, surgical instrument in those cases a notified body is needed to assess that part of your device so it doesn't make a great difference to class 2a devices anymore that also require a notified body just like every higher yeah, as you mentioned, so um, uh, usually class one, they don't need a notified body, but when they have those specific um, uh, functions, as you mentioned, sterile measuring function or uh, reusable, surgical uh, reusable, then they need a notified body. What you mentioned specifically that 
we they the notified body will review just this part. So it will they will review just the the sterilization process, they will review just the measuring function or they will review the reusable part of the device. But they should not review the full uh, design of the, of the device. Is correct? That's, that's uh, kind of correct. But everything is related to everything. So if you provide a measuring device, you, the notified body will need to go deeper into your technical file to understand the measuring functionality. And also when they audit your quality management system, they, of, they need to look at the, how you produce uh, validated measuring functions. And uh, that also contains everything you have in your quality management system. Does it produce, uh, do you keep um, uh, management reviews to cover all of that? Do you analyze your data from your quality management system to really review what you're doing regarding that measuring function? Because it's quite central to, to, your, to your intended purpose. So um, in terms of classification, so we have the European classification, but um, every country has its own classification. So the US, the China, Japan, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So is there some differences? So if my class is low risk in Europe, can it be low risk in the other countries or is there any similarity or differences? Let's say that uh, there aren't any great differences and the point is that uh, if you have a medical device you will need to comply to much of the same rules anyway so i would rather raise the bar and uh, do great business with the great quality management system rather than try to put your bar as low as possible because that creates may create a lot of trouble and uh, hassle in your in your business so there are differences. For example, the FDA gives a lot of exemptions to the lowest risk class devices or even class two devices, but uh, you still benefit from putting everything into, into a well-flown quality uh, management system and really uh, rely on that in your business. Okay, um, so the, this, I mean, what, what we are doing in one country can also help for the other countries. So we should not just think that uh, if I'm doing something to have my products on the market due to this class, uh, it should be all done uh, from zero for another uh, country. Uh, they are mainly uh, trying to harmonize a lot of things. Um, there is this new program called MDSAP, so where we have the medical device single audit program where they are trying really to harmonize the requirements to put the product on the market, which is a great initiative. So I see something that is showing that um, they are trying really to harmonize uh, things. So now that we have the, um, uh, that we qualified our products as a medical device and that we do understand what is the classification of our device, so class one to A to B or three or class A, B, C, D for IVDR. What is the next step? Why do we need those classification? What should we do then? Well, depending then on, uh, on your risk class, the, the one and the A, they are the low risk classes, the three and the D, the IVD, they are the highest risk classes. And this classification tells us when you follow the, follow the articles and the annexes of, of the MDR or the IVDR, they tell the, tell the level of activities that you will need to set. Uh, in your quality management system and in your technical file for the product. And, uh, well, let's start from the lowest risk class. Okay. So it's a conformity route to go, the options that you have to go on the market. 
if it's a risk class one and it doesn't have this measuring up uh, function, it's not provided sterile or it's not a reusable surgical instrument. Uh, that that's it, that is the type of a product that you label on your own. And the same thing in the IBD sector. If it's a class A device and you don't don't provide that uh, as a sterile product into the market, then it's it's uh, on on yourself. You provide this declaration of conformity, and you see mark the product. But the requirement nowadays in the MDR and the IBDR is still to have a full quality management system to cover that. In okay. the past directives, they didn't have that. And so just to be clear with the people, so it means that they are self-certifying, so they are doing that by themselves. Uh, they, they, um, they should still create the technical documentation, they should still create everything, but there will be no notified body, no external organization that will come and inspect those files and documents. Um, they should still register their products in the countries where they will be selling that because they are class one. Uh, and so maybe just to explain to people why they still need to have a technical documentation or everything when nobody will come and check that. Well, the thing is that someone might come and check it. Exactly. So it's the, it's the uh, competent authorities in each member state of the EU. They are, have the mandate to come and check. They do some, uh, some uh, audits uh, that uh, they plan ahead and they try to pick perhaps the most uh, uh, dangerous ones of the class one devices or some, some devices that they've heard some, uh, something bad perhaps about and uh, sampling those uh, companies and auditing them. And they also have the possibility to make an unannounced audit for, for these companies. So you should really have everything in a good shape. And again, I must re remind you that it's, uh, it's not about the document or showing that you're in compliance, but it's about your business. And uh, to keep that well fluid uh, and, uh, and doing good business. All that documentation is for your marketing material. It's for your business needs, really. Yeah, it's clear. Uh, so be careful, uh, still have the right documentation in place, still have the right activities in place, uh, just to check that your product is still suitable for the market and that you get the feedbacks uh, regarding the, the adequacy, the safety of your product. Um, because if you don't have that, if there is a, any competent authority that is coming to audit you and they find that you are not really complying to the regulation um, or uh, to, the, to the, the MDR or IVDR, then I suppose they can make you out of business immediately. Is it correct? That is correct. They have that power. Yeah. Okay, good. So, um, okay, now we have class one and we tried to, we clarified what means self-certification or what are the duties. Uh, what are the other routes or how, how people should uh, put uh, their products on the market if they are more other than class one? When it goes above class one, then you will need to consider the three annexes from the end of the MDR or the IVDR. Those would be the annexes nine, 10 and 11. And the and nine would be something that I would basically recommend to everyone. It's uh, where your uh, conformity is based on a full quality management system uh, covering every activity that is required in the MDR or the IBDR and, uh, and the technical file of your product. And that's where the notified body comes sampling your uh, device technical files 
And depending on if you just have one product, of course, sampling is quite simple. If you're a startup, especially, uh, you show that. But if you have something, if you're a bigger company, you have plentiful of devices, there's a meaning to the sampling. So they, if, it, if it's a class 2A device compared to a class B device, they take less samples. If it's a class B device, they take more samples. And when you go all the way to class 3 devices, you must show compliance with every product, basically, that you provide. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, as, as we said, so it's risk-based. Uh, lower is the risk, uh, lower is the sampling, uh, higher is the risk, um, uh, more they, they will review and more they will ask you to provide uh, some, some, some documents. Um, so, um, Annex 9, as you mentioned, is really recommended because they are doing a full check, so meaning that uh, the auditor is coming and checking everything. Um, and I think this is something that is available to uh, all the different classes, so class 2A, 2B, and 3. Um, but what are the options, other options? So you mentioned also Annex uh, 10 and 11. So what are the differences between those two other uh, annexes? Annex 10 speaks about type examination. And uh, 11 is about product production uh, quality. So the, the, the 11 is kind of like uh, the narrowed down version of, of uh, uh, the Annex 9 of the quali full quality system. But uh, there are some tricks in it. So you will need to be careful to follow all the articles within that Annex. And the, and the 10 to type examine something, I would consider that only if you have something the size of a room, for example, something you provide once a year into the market, uh, pressure chamber, for example, or a full set of MRI or something like that, it might be worthwhile thinking over if, if you use the Annex 10. But a uh, good rule of thumb is that uh, follow the Annex, Annex 9 and, and uh, that's, that's the simplest way to go. And we have also, additionally to that, there is also for high-risk products um, an additional check, if I can say, that the European Commission has to perform. So what is it exactly? Uh, well, when you go to the risk class 3, and if I remember correct to some uh, risk class 2B devices as well, there is a procedure. Active, yeah. yeah, you you will need to... Uh, the, the documentation of the of the product will go through a specific uh, department of the European Commission who checks uh, on, on it, and uh, that's in addition to the notified body. It's actually actually the responsibility of the notified body to provide that documentation to them, so they won't be dealing directly with you, but through the notified body. That's what I understood, and uh, and uh, then the notified body and the uh, and this department will have the possibility to, to debate on the product as well. And it, it is really an additional scrutiny to, on your high-risk products compared to the past. And it, you will need to consider some uh, timelines there so, because it might take uh, months to get, get your device through. Yeah, so uh, mainly the, it's, um, we are talking about expert committees that um, the European Union has to put in place. Um, they are actually recruiting experts uh, if you want to be on those expert committee. Um, as of yesterday, I think, um, when we are recording this episode, um, they had extended also the recruitment for the IVDR 
regulation uh, because I suppose they didn't have enough people. So uh, if you're interested to be an expert uh, to an expert committee, so please reach out to the European Commission. Uh, I think there is maybe a website on the European Commission um, uh, place so that to go and to check and to see what are the conditions and then for you maybe to apply as an expert. Uh, we need you. We need uh, medical device companies need you because without those experts, we cannot really have our products on the market. So please uh, also consider this as, um, as an option for you to, uh, to, be, uh, to be an expert for the European Commission. Okay, Heike, so uh, what now um, can we do? So then we have uh, our product, it's a medical device, we have the right classification. We decided which route uh, we should go, and as you said, you recommend really to go to Annex Nine for for the route of uh, of uh, for the conformity assessment. So now, as I have all those information, what is my next step? What should I do with that? Um, this is one part of the essentials that you need to take into account in the very beginning. So knowing what your device is to qualify it, classify it to know on what level you play and uh, these options that are myrtle of articles and annexes within the MDR. Take some experience perhaps to go through all that, so use, perhaps use some help or use someone uh, in your organization who has experience. But uh, there are other things to consider. So I would want to highlight the importance of starting the clinical evaluation from literature reviews uh, very early on because it's, uh, somewhere, it's a place where you find competition information uh, benchmarks, state-of-the-art information regarding what is the intended purpose of the device. And the intended purpose is actually something that uh, we, we would want, need to highlight. The intended purpose also defines what your device is, if it's a medical device or not, and it has a lot to do with the classification. And you can play around with it, so, so you find the right one. You might want to reduce what you state about your product. So that's one, the intended purpose. I'm, um, uh, and I'd like to add more. So there's a risk, class, uh, risk assessment that you need to do. Do the early thing, even on a post-it note, very early. Just start writing those risks down that you are al already thinking of. And all, from all of that, then it uh, will evolve into practicalities, quality management system, technical file that is really in compliance with the regulations. So uh, then, as you, as you said, so there is still some work to do after that. And there is some, uh, some information to compile, uh, some documents to get, uh, and asking the support of a consultant is also something that maybe is a good idea to avoid to lose time and to uh, have to redo things 10 times and maybe to make some mistakes. Um, so just now that we went through all those steps and that people really understand that they have to go through this um, to, uh, to to, uh, to know what exactly they have to do for putting their products on the market. Um, let's talk more about your solution. So um, I think your solution can really help them to accelerate this phase uh, for uh, putting, uh, for understanding the, their products and understanding uh, if their product is a medical device, the classification and which conformity assessment they can go through. So can you tell us more about it and its name first and what exactly uh, your company is, uh, is, um, is doing to provide some support to the medical device community? Thanks, Monir. Uh, we call the service entries and uh, we like to uh, talk about digital regulatory runways when we talk about ent entries. 
So you can consider a pile of documents that you need to take into account. It might have the MDR and lots of guidance documents or the IBDR and a load of guidance documents. And uh, your product may be a borderline case between medicine and the medical device or, or, uh, or personal protective equipment and the medical device. And you need to take these things into account. So what we have done, we've taken these almost 40 documents and uh, we've taken these three topics. We've taken the qualification, the classification and the conformity assessment options. And we've reorganized that information into uh, flow. So it's a wizard that you go through. There's a clever logics. So this specific service uh, contains some 175 questions and some 700 results in the end, but each one of you will, not, will only go through uh, a set of 20 questions max. And that contains the uh, uh, qualification, classification, and the conformity assessment part. So instead of really going through that pile of paper, we have put those questions that are meaningful for you into entries, so you can go through them. And the service provides you the terminology and, and other guidance and examples, everything that is printed in those 40 documents in an intuitive format in front of you. And uh, you might land on very difficult, dif dif uh, difficult uh, interpretations still, but you land on them in a matter of minutes rather than being in the haze, if, especially if you're a startup for the first months of your, of your work. Many companies go too far without taking these things into account. And, uh, so as, as we say, as we always say, so it's kind of garbage in, garbage out. So if you are not doing the right things from the beginning, you will maybe get the wrong um, route or the wrong uh, assessment, or then your project can be in danger because you didn't follow the right the right path. Uh, so by going through uh, through your solution mainly, you tried really to uh, summarize all what is on the regulations to help the companies to reach out reach the, the objective or to, uh, to this final uh, step where you really understand your products and what you have to put the product in the market more easily. So uh, I tested your tool. Uh, so yeah, there is a lot of uh, questions, if I can say. This tool can be for people that are really trying to just understand if what is the class of their product, if their product is a medical device and what's, uh, what route to go. Or it can be also educational for people that are consultants maybe or people that are trying now to move to the medical device field because there is uh, all the comments and attachment to it uh, that are linked. So each time we are talking about a definition, there is a definition that is also visible. Uh, we are talking about a, a risk assessment or a conformity assessment. We have also the annexes and the, where it's coming from, etc. So we have a link of all the information. So for people that really want to understand and be educated, it's also a good uh, a good tool. So, um, so IG, if people can people test this tool, so how is it working now? They can. It's uh, there are two two entries modules. There is one for the old directives that are still naturally uh, uh, good. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, there is another one for the MDR and the IBDR. The the directive part is free for anyone to try out for free, but for the MDR and IBDR, we can also provide a promotional code through through Easy Medical Device that Good. you can then utilize. Thank you, thank you for that. So um, I will put the code in the 
in the in the document. So um, will we? Uh, so I think we will have also a, a document that people can download where we have a summary of uh, what we discussed today on the episode, and maybe you can put also the the code there so that people can get it and uh, and then use your uh, your solution and test okay. it. So uh, what will they have with this promo code? Uh, they will have full access to the system for, uh, we, we can set a time of for about three months. Okay. So they can dive, dive into the system and uh, browse it as much as they like. Okay, good. We require a subscription to our system. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I hope people will really test it because um, I think, as I've said, it's really an uh, important step to go through uh, to uh, understand if your product is a medical device, uh, what is the class of your product and what, which conformity assessment route you have to go through uh, to put your product uh, on, on the market. So I will put all those information on the show notes. So please go on the show notes at podcast.easymedicaldevice.com. And uh, you will see uh, all the information that we talked about today. Uh, and you will see also the links uh, for the downloadables um, that Haiki uh, offered generously to, uh, to the audience of this, um, of this podcast. So thank you. Thank you, Haiki, for that. So is there anything else from your side? So first, maybe where people can follow up with you? Uh, we're in, uh, in, the, in the web in www.leanentries.com. Okay. That's where you will find us and uh, check our library. It gives you some good, good uh, documents to, to follow up. The service has a few more treats and goodies, so you might want to go and find those out. We match you with the notified bodies according to your device type as well. So it's, it's more, more than the three steps. And uh, we're evolving and uh, we're putting more information in it as, as we can. Great. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so for the audience, so uh, again, thank you for following us on easymedicaldevice.com. Uh, so on this podcast, so Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Um, and thank you also for all the people that already made some um, some reviews on um, Apple Podcast and Google Podcast and also Spotify. Uh, really interesting. So thank you for that. Uh, I saw some good uh, things and also some suggestions and I'm really interested to take that. And as you may know, I'm also uh, delivering some bonus episodes. Uh, so I started a series now with, um, uh, with uh, Stefan Boleininger from Beyond Quality. Uh, and we had already some episodes released, uh, but I'm also trying to get a new guest to make those, uh, those small episodes, those small bonus episodes. Uh, so please don't forget to go to subscribe to the podcast uh, to also make some reviews. Uh, it's really helping me. And uh, also to use Alexa. I'm trying to uh, have more people using Alexa or, or uh, Google Home because I also put uh, the podcast on, 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 the, on those devices. Um, so, Heike, uh, thank you for your help. Thank you for all the information that you are, uh, you are providing. And I really encourage people to go uh, to visit your website, so Lean Entries, and to test uh, your, uh, your solution, so Entries, uh, so to qualify their products as a medical device, so to understand what, what is exactly their products and how uh, they can put this, this product on, on the market. So, Heike, then, uh, I wish you a nice day, and uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Good day to you too, Moira, and you are doing a splendid job for, for the community. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>